Carolina, and this recording is from one of our church services. For more information, visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the message. Now, if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump over uh, to the book of Exodus, chapter number 33. We're going to jump over to the book of Exodus, chapter number 33. Um, when you have it, say amen, and we're going to start at verse number seven. So Exodus chapter number 33, and we're going to start at verse number seven. Amen. And here begins the reading of God's holy word. It says, as Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle that the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, Thou sayest unto me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that in thou goest with us, so shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth? And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Amen. Amen. All right. And so we just thank God for this. Um, the title that we're going to be working with is called Show Me Your Glory. Amen. Show me your glory. And as the introductory song came on, it was saying how, you know, you know my name. And I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm so honored that God knows my name. Out of the billions of people that are on this earth, God knows my name. Out of the heavenly hosts that are in heaven that are constantly giving praise and worshiping God, even the 24 elders that are casting their crowns unto God, out of all of the creation, God knows my name and God knows your name. And I'm so honored that this great, this awesome God knows each one of us by name. Amen. And um, even as we get into this uh, particular story, it's a familiar passage of scripture 
that we're going to be talking with. I'm, I'm so honored that I'm able to talk about this because we're continuing our sermon series where we've been talking about blackout. And the thing is, we've been talking about blackout, meaning we've been getting into the presence of God because the scripture declares that he's the Lord that dwells in the thick cloud of darkness. And the darkness is symbolic for God's veil because God dwells in such an unapproachable light. We can find that in the book of First Timothy chapter number six, round about verse number 16, where it talks about God dwells in such an unapproachable light that everything else becomes a shadow of who he is. And so this thick cloud of darkness is a shadow because of the light that God portrays from himself, right? And so understand is this blackout denoting or representing the presence of God. This blackout is supposed to blackout all of the distractions in our lives. And so as God has taken away all of the distractions, considering the things that are going on in our current uh, world, uh, uh, when you think about the pandemic and things of that nature, right? That God has given us the opportunity to come closer to him, to draw nigh to him, that he will in return draw nigh unto us. He's given us an opportunity to cleanse our hands and to purge our hearts, that we can come boldly before his throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy so that we can know God in a more intimate manner. And so that has been the purpose of this particular series that is called Blackout. So in essence, you know, simply put, this, this particular sermon series has been all about worship all about worship. I'm going to say it again. This series has been all about worship. And I pray that as we're coming to a close in this particular sermon series, that it will prompt you, it will push you, it will encourage you to actually seek the face of God, seek the presence of God, this, this desire to want to know God in a more intimate manner. Simply put, to just want to worship God, spend that intimate time with God. Amen. And so as we understand, we know that, that the central theme of the Bible the, the entire theme of the Bible, it is worship, right? And we understand that obedience, it is it is the highest form of worship. And right, as we talk about worship, worship, it is a matter of the heart, right? And when God created us, he created us with worship in our nature. And simply put, that if we fail to worship the true and living God, you will find yourself worshiping someone or something else because when he created us, he created us with worship built on the inside of us. So we understand that worship is a matter of the heart. It is a part of your anatomy. It is a part of your nature. It is a part of your makeup, right? And so we understand, you know, who we worship right and this is the thing this this blackout series this series that has been all about worship it has taught us in a, in a more intimate manner it has given us more definition more understanding we understand who we worship and how we must worship so simply put we understand we must worship the true we're living god because beside him there is no other god right and so how do we worship him the bible lets us know we must worship him in spirit and in truth so we understand who we worship that is the true and living god and how we must worship him that is in spirit and in truth right and another thing when we talk about worship how i and how you worship will determine how you believe so how we worship is going to determine how we believe and make no mistake about it, how you believe is going to determine how you worship. I'm going to say that again. How you and I worship is going to determine how we believe. And how we believe is going to determine how we worship. 
Not everybody sees or recognizes God or acknowledges God or understands God to the level that you may understand God. So therefore their belief is hindered in certain names or characters that may be presented by God. In other words, when you think about the different names of God, which denote the different characters of God, uh, there are certain names that you are very, very familiar with God. For example, all of us that have called ourselves Christians or all of us that consider ourselves to be saved, we know God in an intimate manner as being saved. Savior. And if you've experienced a little bit of deliverance here and there, you know, when you've upchucked, got a little demon cast out of you, whatever the case may be, you can say that you know God as a deliverer. You understand? But if you have not experienced healing in your body, although God considered himself to be the God that healed thee, if you have not experienced that, you can't necessarily say that you know God in that particular manner. All right? So your belief when it comes to God being a healer may be affected a little bit. So again, we say how you worship is going to determine how you believe and how you believe will also determine how you worship, right? And so we're here in this book of Exodus, right, where where, where it centers around the, the one of the main characters, that being Moses, you know, whose name means drawn out, whose name means drawn out. And we understand that the book of Exodus is talking about an exit, right, where the people of God, where God heard the cry of his people, and God began to respond to them and God began to use Moses as a deliverer to lead the people from bondage out of the nation of Egypt. So this book is all about an exit, but it's also talking about this, this, this particular character that is Moses, whose name means drawn out. Right. And so as we get into the scriptures, we're going to start at verse seven. It says that Moses took the tabernacle. Right. And what's taking place, we understand that the people have just over around about chapter number 32. The people got so frustrated when Moses went up, they began to uh, 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 go to Aaron and Aaron built this golden calf and they fell down and they began to worship. Idol worship. Right. And so as we move over to chapter number 33, uh, 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 God is talking to Moses about the people. Right. And, and, and here in verse seven, it talks about it. Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp afar off from the camp and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And so because of this, then with their idol worship, God still dwelt among them, right? God was so upset. He was talking about how he was going to come down and consume them. And so because the people heard the titles that came through the mouth of Moses unto them, how God was going to come down and consume them, the people begin, the Bible talks about how they begin to take off all of their ornaments. They begin to take off their, their armlets, their bracelets, their anklets, all their goals, all these things that was important to them all these things that had value to them they began to take it off as a sign of humility as a sign of repentance before god saying god we're sorry about what we did and god honored that as moses began to make an intercession for the people reminding god this is your people god you brought them out of egypt don't allow us to become a laughing stock to all the nations around the world god let them know that you are the god that still dwells with us and you delivered us from the hand of pharaoh out of the nation of egypt so moses would intercede and god will hear the prayers of moses and god will respond and in him responding, God relented what he was going to do, and God decided to come and dwell amongst them. So therefore, hence, we have the tabernacle. And so it talks about how Moses, he took this tabernacle, set it up, spread it out, outside the camp or far off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation, right? 
And this is what became interesting to me. As we get to the word congregation in the Hebraic definition for this talks about the appointed place, right? Uh, it's also defined as the appointed time, a sacred season, the appointed season, appointed sign or signal, a fixed time or season. So even when you talk about the congregation, he calls it the tabernacle of a congregation. So when you understand tabernacle in the Hebrew also talks about the heart of God being revealed. So the congregation became the place or the appointed place or the appointed time or the sacred season or the appointed season or the appointed sign or signal or fixed time or season that God would choose to reveal his heart to a people through the leader most. It's at the tabernacle that God would choose to reveal his heart when he begins to speak those things that troubled his heart concerning his people. Or when he would speak his heart about what he wanted to do and how he wanted to bless his people, establish his people. So the tabernacle was an intricate place. It, it, it was a place of intimacy where God would reveal his heart to the people. Right? And so it says, and it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp, outside of the camp. So anyone who needed to seek God or desire to seek God, right? Matter of fact, the word sought in the Hebrew is defined as desire. When the Lord became their desire, they had to go outside of the camp to go to the tabernacle to seek God, right? Sought also is defined as to strive after. And so that is when you talk about worship, God becomes your desire, not just God becoming your desire, but you strive after God, you chase after God. All other things become obsolete and God becomes your obsession. He becomes the object of your obsession. You are fixed on God. Your eyes are fixed on God. Your mind is fixed on God and your heart is fixed on God. You just desire God. You just want God. Nothing else matters. And you come to a place where you understand that nothing else matters. It's all about him, him being high and lifted up, him being worshiped as you bow down before him, as you lift up hands before him, as you lay prostrate before him. You want God to know, God, that it's all about you. I love you. I, I need you. I can't make it without you. I'm nothing without you. I honor you. I bless you. I worship. I magnify you and I glorify. You just want God to know that it's all about him. When you get to the place where you're seeking God, or, or like the Bible says, they sought the Lord. He became their desire, or they wanted to strive after God, chase after God, go after God. When was the last time you were at a place where you just wanted to seek God, or where you sought God, God became your desire, or you began to strive after God, you went after God, you chased after God. When you couldn't find him in the prayer and intercession, did you get tired and did you give up? When you can find him, when you were clapping your hands and when you begin to leap for joy, did you did you stop believing God? Did you stop thinking God would manifest himself? Uh, did you get tired when you opened the scriptures and you read the scriptures and you prayed the scriptures? Did you give up because God didn't immediately come? Did you let the devil trick you that he's so far away or that he doesn't hear you? No, 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 no. It says, and it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord, they went out unto the tabernacle, went to the secret place. And God became their desire. Not only that, they began to strive after God. So he talks about, he said, and it came to pass when Moses went unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door. 
right? And look after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. Now, it came to pass when Moses went out into the tabernacle. Because everybody understood Moses to be the leader. Uh, you know, he didn't just lead them from the nation of Israel from underneath the hand of Pharaoh, but he's also showing them how to enter into the presence of God, how to capture the attention of God, how to get the response of God or the reactions of God, or how to simply get God to move. And it says, and it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up. Yeah. See, when Moses went outside the camp, they only knew it was one place that Moses was headed. He was headed to the tabernacle. He was headed to the secret place. Uh, God was his desire. He had to be with God. He had to talk to God and, and he needed God to talk back to him. He had to feel the presence of God. He had to dwell in the presence of God. He had to be around God and have God come and surround him and envelop him in all of his goodness and all of his glory and in fact all the people would rise up and in particular it says and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle hmm. the men in particular watched their leader as he would make his way to the secret place they stood at the entrance of their tents and they would watch their leader as he went out and made his way to the secret place uh, and see, you don't find too many people. They can hear leaders talk about, uh, we need to pray and we need to give God praise and we need to worship God. But but you, you don't find that many men who are seeking to follow their leaders into the presence of God, who are seeking to follow their leaders into the place of intercession, who are seeking to follow their leaders into the place of praise, meaning, okay, I'm going to follow you to the gates, God, that place of prayer and intercession. I'm going to follow you into the courts, God, that place of praise. I'm going to follow you into the most holy place, that secret place, God that place of worship you don't find that many men now the responsibility has been put on the on the on the shoulders of women and not just women it's been put on the shoulders of older women that's why you see in, in prayer and intercession in most churches the intercession has been left to an older generation Ah, uh, yeah we understand they can get a prayer through but we need some younger folk those who have strength who will come and help bombard heaven who will help and come and seek the presence of god seek the face of god i can remember not not too long ago we had a service where all the men began to just give god praise and all the men just came down to the altar matter of fact the message was entitled you know an altar ego all the men came to the altar laying down their altar egos who they thought they wanted to be and, and, and who they thought everybody else wanted them to be. And they said, God, I just want you. And they humbled themselves before this great and awesome God. And, and, and not, not too long after that, the women folk came behind the men and just began to lay. We didn't have to encourage nobody to come. They just came on their own to the altar. And it didn't stop with the women folk. The children on their own came up and began to seek God, lay at the altar. And they came with hands lifted up, surrendering to God. And as the men were coming up out of the prayer, the men met the children at the altar. And they began to lay hands and pray for their children. It's something when men come and lay down their egos, lay down their agendas, and get before God in humility and begin to worship God. I wish we can find some men who didn't mind praying. I wish we can find some men who didn't mind praising. And I wish we can find some men who didn't mind worshiping God. It is what we need. The earth is longing for the sons of God to get into position. Longing for the sons of God to cry out unto this holy God. Longing. 
So it talks about all the people rose up and stood every man at his pit door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. They, they blocked out all of the distractions because we need to see the man of God go into the presence of God, which is going to provoke us in like manner to now seek God here in our own homes. Uh -huh. It says, then it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle. Right? The cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And again, and it came to pass, look at these words, and it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar, right? And this word cloudy in the Hebrew is talking about a cloud mass, this pillar of cloud descended. It came down and it dwelt at the door of the tabernacle. It stood, it just remained, it abided at the door of the tabernacle. Again, denoting God's approval of Moses. Coming to desire him, coming to strive after him, coming to seek after him, coming to chase him, coming to know him in a more intimate manner, coming to worship him, coming to bow down, coming to humble himself, coming to pour his heart out before God. It says, and he stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. The Lord talked with Moses. And, 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 and understand, this, this cloudy mass is a theophanic cloud meaning it was a literal or physical manifestation this cloud was a, a physical manifestation of the presence of god uh, this this is what we hint at when we talk about the shekinah or the shekinah it was a literal manifestation of who god was that that came and abided here in the earth from a representation of God now dwelling in the earth from amongst his people. And he met them at the tabernacle of congregation, this appointed place. Uh-huh. And he met them at this appointed time, this sacred season, this appointed season, this appointed signal or sign or fixed time or season. God came at the tabernacle of congregation. He came and showed up when one with the pure heart came to worship, one with the seriousness your heart came to worship nothing difficult sincerity coupled with simplicity i just want you i just need you you are my desire and it says and all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door and all the people rose up and worshiped every man and his tent door. Look at this. When Moses went into and we understand that the cloudy pillar, the manifestation of God came down and it just dwelt at the entrance of the door. Hmm. Right? And, and it says, and all the people rose up and worshiped. All the people. Every man, every woman, every child rose up and worshiped. And then the emphasis now placed on the man, every man in his tent door. In other words, the men were seen at the door, worshiping. But we also understand that all the people, all means all in the Bible, rose up and worshiped. And now we have more emphasis placed on the men. See, it's, it's, it's not a strange thing when you see women praying. And it's not a strange thing to see women praising. And it's not a strange thing to see women worshiping. That's the norm. But but what hasn't become the norm in churches today is men who would get up and pray with the, under the anointing of God. What well, is not the norm to see men praising God. Now we understand you can find people just praising God. Because anybody can praise God. But everybody can't worship God in spirit and in truth. 
And we understand many people praise God. We should be praising God for what he has done. But we understand there are people who praise God for various reasons. Some people praise God because, yes, they are praising God because of the spirit of heaviness. He's given them the garment of praise. Some people are praising God, trying to get their faith up to believe what God said. Some people are merely praising God because they are grateful for what God has done. But then there are some people who praise God because it gives them an opportunity to be seen. Oh, yes, 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 yes. You're not dancing because you truly thankful and grateful because what God has seen. No, you have saw someone with a like spirit in the congregation. And guess what? That spirit in you has rose up trying to capture their attention. And so because I'm in this environment, let me do what they do. But let me do it in a manner that it will release such a spirit of seduction or release such a spirit of lust because I'm trying to capture their attention. My praise is truly not a praise unto God. A pure praise It's a tainted, perverted praise. So let's be real. There were some men and there were some women who come to praise God because they're trying to capture the attention of someone else. Not trying to capture the attention of God do you know somebody? Uh-huh. And can you relate? See, I've been there before. Mm -hmm. uh, just the truth be told, I got a smooth little dance. When I really dance, I got a smooth little dance. I, I'm not going to pat myself on the back, but I'm just letting you know, I got a smooth little dance when I really dance. You understand what I'm saying? And, 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 and if I got issues going on in my body, I got a smooth little hand praise. You understand? It's called the finger praise. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? I, I got a smooth little dance. And so the reality, what I'm saying, there have been times where I have praised God because I was trying to capture the attention of someone else. I wanted them to see that I was a praiser. I wanted them to see that, hey, I'm a blessed God. I wanted them to see that God mattered to me. And when reality, I was just trying to capture their attention. So they would think that I was truly out for God. My God, I know y'all not going to be real. I know y'all not going to be real. I'm not going to be real. You understand? Um, but there's a time come when you truly get into the presence of God and God will get a hold of you real, 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 real good. Oh, yeah. And everything you begin to do is, oh, it is unto the glory of God for real. God, this time when I dance, God, I'm dancing because I'm truly grateful, God. This time when I dance, God, I'm dancing, God, because I need your presence, God. I need your attention, God. I, I just want you to know, God, that I'm grateful, God. I'm thankful for what you have done, God. When I dance this time, God, when I praise this time, God, I am trying to let my praise lead me to the secret place, God, the most holy place, God, into a place of worship, God. It's no longer about me, God, but it is all about you and who you are, God. We need people to really be grabbed up by God. I'm talking about like the old folks say, wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in God. So it's, so it's all about him. So it says, and all the people rose up and they worshiped. It's, it's a strange thing to find men worshiping. You don't find many men lying prostrate. Typically, in most churches, when you hear worship, it is now worship has been, been, been diluted to just slow music. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? And occasionally, everybody will raise their hand and you hear hallelujah. No, hallelujah is the highest praise. That's not what worship is to tell him who he is. To honor him for who he is. To let him know that he's worthy because of who he is. To admire him, to adore him because of who he is. That's what worship is. Uh, worship is giving God my obedience from a pure heart. That's what worship is. 
giving him the glory, magnifying his name, blessing his name, exalting and extolling him. That's what worship is. And so because many don't understand worship, you find them. Hallelujah. Thank you, G. All of that. And they believe that they're in worship because the music has slowed down. No, that's just uh, that's just praise that has been attached to slow down music is all that is. But I like the fact that when Moses entered in, that the cloudy pillar came down and it rested at the door of the tabernacle. But then the Bible says, and all the people rose up and worshiped. And every man at his tent door, man, uh, what he's trying to say is, okay, every man got at the entrance of his door. And he was like, listen, God, if you're going to body worship God, before you see my wife, before you see my children, see me, God, at the entrance of my door, God. See me worshiping, God, at the door of my home front, God. I'm worshiping because I need your presence. Just how you coming and dwelling at the door of the congregation, Father God, the tabernacle of the congregation. I am worshiping that you will come and dwell at the entrance of my house, God. I am worshiping because we need your presence in our house, God. If you don't come, God, I wish we can get back here. If you don't come, God, we won't move. It's still a lot of People get frustrated when God doesn't come or they want him to. But one of these things that I found interesting as we move through the verses, the people, they never came up out of worship. You'll see how Moses came up out of worship, but the people remained in worship. Yes, yes, the people remained in worship, right? And it talks about, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend and he turned again into the camp right and, and when it's talking about the Lord spoke to Moses face to face that uh, what it's talking about in the Hebraic understanding is that when a man gets close to another man and places his face directly next to the side of that man's face and he gets close where he's talking directly to him in his face and talking directly into his head in other words denoting the intimacy the closeness and so you don't find too many men getting that close to one another because of the perversion they are afraid to get that close close to one another. Oh, Y'all not going to talk about it. Y'all not going to talk about it. That's a reality. Men are afraid to get that close to one another. You understand what I'm saying? But Moses, because of his sincere heart, because of his pure heart, because of his devotion, because of his honor unto God, God would come down and speak to him face to face as a man speaking unto his friend. And the Bible says, and he turned again into the camp, meaning after God spoke to him face to face, Moses got up and he left the tabernacle of the congregation. But get this right here. It says, but his servant Joshua, denoting his assistant, right? Uh, we understand Joshua would assist them in the day-to-day -day things throughout, you know, the uh, uh, the congregation of the people or with the, uh, the issues that concern the nation of Israel. Joshua would assist Moses. And we understand the Bible lets us know he would be the one to succeed Moses, take over after Moses died. So, so look at this. Joshua's actually being groomed to go into the presence of God, to seek the face of God, to worship before God, to get into the intimate place, that secret place with God, and know how to provoke the presence of God to come, to get God to speak, to get God to honor his worship that God would speak on behalf of a nation to him. So not only was Joshua his assistance in the natural things, but, but if you look real deep there, we understand Moses went in and he worshiped and his servant, his assistant, Joshua, followed him into the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord with him. So he assisted with pulling in the presence of God. And while Moses is now going back into the camp, uh, you got an assistant still holding the presence, still keeping the presence. Oh, my God. Uh, see, we need some men who can help keep the presence of God uh, while the leaders get up and they go and tend and go while the watch 
investment on the wall, go and look. We need somebody who can keep the presence there where God can speak to us while he's dwelling among us. So it shows us, but Joshua, whose name means God is salvation, right? A young man departed not out of the tabernacle, he dwelled. We sing a song here called Linger. Let me linger here until your likeness is seen in me. Oh, my God. Uh, until your likeness is seen in me, God. I want to be merciful how you're merciful, God. I want to be forgiving how you're forgiving. I want to be gracious how you're gracious, God. I want your likeness to be seen in me, God. I want to talk like you, God. Yeah, like the old folks say, I want you to change me in such a manner, God. I want to walk like you, God. I want to live holy for you, God. I want to be just like you, God, till your likeness is seen in me. So Joshua was not just his, his, his assistant or servant in the natural. He assisted with keeping the presence of God there. And this is what Moses said. And Moses said unto the Lord's feet, right? He said, and, and, and Moses said unto the Lord's feet, thou says unto me, bring up this people. And thou hast not let me know whom thou wast send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. And thou hast also found grace in my sight. And this is the thing. When God began to talk about, he was going to consume them. And Moses prayed in the seat and God relented about what he was going to do. Moses is now talking to God saying, God, you said that you will bring up this people. But you haven't let me know who you're going to send with me, God. Who are you going to send out of this people? Who will you give access to enter into the promised land, God? But yet you say you know me by name. And then I found grace in your sight. I was in your presence, but you have yet to tell me who you're going to send with me, God. He says, now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, right? If I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. And consider this, that the nation is thy people. Right? So understand this right here. Now, therefore, I pray thee, still having this conversation with God. If I have found grace in your sight, show me now thy way. When you look at this in the Hebrew, when he talks about show me now thy way, he's actually talking about God, show me your course of action you're going to take. Or what are your intentions, God? Mm. See, I'm talking about where you are so close with God, you're so intimate with God, God will reveal his course of action. Not only that, God will reveal his intentions, what he intends to do, because Travis Green told us he's intentional. He's an intentional God. And I don't know about you, but I want to know the intentions of God concerning me and those that are connected to me, God. What do you intend to do, God? What course of action are you going to take, God? Tell me what's about to happen, God. Show me what to do, God. Speak to my heart, God. Reveal it to me, God. He says, show me now that way that I may know thee, that I might find grace in thy sight. And what Moses is saying, he, you, you've allowed me to enter into your presence, God. But when you begin to speak to me about your course of action, when you begin to speak to me about your intentions, God, you are now taking me into a deeper realm of knowing you, God. Uh, my God, you are now taking me into a more intimate place with you, God. You're bringing me closer, God. When you will show or reveal to me your course of actions or your intentions, God, you brought me closer than I was previously. 
He said that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. Oh, I love it. I love it how Moses keeps reminding God, this is your people, God. I, I, I understand, God. We have already admitted, God. We have already confessed that we are stick necked rebellious people, but we're yours. I like it how Moses, he didn't, he didn't cut any corners, God. We are who we are, God. But at the same time, God, we are still yours. Jacked up, but we're yours, God. Messed up, but we're yours, God. Some days rebellious, but we're yours, God. Some days fearful, but we're still yours, God. Oh, God, some days disobedient but we're still yours, God. Some days we are the stiff-necked ones, God. Some days we are the hard-hearted ones, but we're still yours, God. Some days we're the ones that we're indifferent, God, but we're still yours. Some days we are the perverted ones, but we're still yours, God. Some days we're the ones that struggle with resentfulness, God, and unforgiveness, but we're still yours, God. Some days it's us that don't want your will, tired of your will, frustrated with your will, want another way, trying to find another way, when it did things our own, but we're still yours, God. Remember that we're yours, God, in the midst of our errors, God. We are yours, God. We're not running away from our errors, God. We're saying it is us, God. It is I, God. I did it. I own up to it. I confess it, God. But I'm yours, God. I, I, I appreciate the fact that Moses would not let God forget this is your people. As jacked up as we are, but we are your people. No, we didn't do it right. Yes, we worship other gods. We had idol worship and false worship, but we're still yours, God. Understand this, God. We are a people that knows how to come back to you. <laughs> I know how to come back to you, God. Yes, I do, God. And I bless your name for the opportunity, God, to be able to come back to you, God. Thank you, God, that you are a God of long suffering. Thank you that you are a God of patience, God. Thank you, God. For your mercy and for your grace. We are your people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. So God is letting him know, I, I'm going to commune with thee. I'm going to abide with thee. He said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Our presence don't go, God. Don't send us, God. Because we can't afford to go anywhere without your presence, God. I can't do nothing without your presence, God. I need you. If I don't have you, God, I'm nothing without you. If I don't have you, God, I can't make it, God. I can't do it right without your presence. He says over in 16, for wherein, for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? How, how, how will it be known, God, that we are your people? How will it be known that we have found grace in your sight? And he says, is it not that, that, that thou goest with us? This is how it shall be known that we are your people. All the surrounding nations will know that we are your people because you are with us. My God. And, and how many people in your family, how many of your Facebook friends know uh, that God, that you are the person of God, the individual of God, the son of God, the daughter of God, uh, the prophet of God, the pastor of God? How many people know? Do they see the presence of God accompany you? And this is what Moses said. This is how they will know that we are your people. Because you go with us. And because you go with us, you have separated us, God. Uh-huh. You have separated. See, his presence separates you from the norm. And it says, I and thy people from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. His presence separates you from everybody else. Because I have his presence, I can't act how everybody else acts. 
Because I have his presence, I can't talk the way everybody else talks. Because I have his presence, I can't go where everybody else goes. Because I have his presence, I cannot connect with everybody else the way everybody else tends to connect with everybody. No, I have his presence, and his presence has separated me. Separated meaning holy. He has called me a holy son and holy individual. He says, and the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken for. Thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Right? Uh, uh, name in the Hebrew talks about reputation or fame. God is saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to dwell with you and your people because I know you by name, right? I, I, I know your reputation, Moses. Oh, yes. I'm yours. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I know your reputation. But get this. A name distinguishes one thing from another. Not just that. Lord, why do I feel like who? But I bind you. You Baptist spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus. I don't have anything against the Baptist. I, I just can't hoop. But I, I, I feel like I want to hoop. I feel like I said, I feel like I want to hoop. And I'm not a hooper. You understand? But, 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 but. Okay, calm down, calm down, calm down, right? right. So, so a name, it distinguishes one thing from another, right? But a name, it also speaks to the character and the purpose of an individual. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, but in the Hebrew, when you dig a little bit deeper into name, a name destroys chaos, yeah. Uh, meaning the questions that are surrounding the name, like uh, like, like the questions of who, what, when, where, and why, and etc. right? So a name, it destroys the chaos, right? It brings definition and distinction right to who the individual is as well as their purpose so you ought to thank God for the name I know you may not like your name but you ought to thank God for the name thank God that you have identity your name has brought identity to you yes I bless God for the name purpose is wrapped up in the name and not only that when you understand that the name it destroys chaos the name it also provides understanding and answers meaning when these questions are asked the name name brings understanding to these questions and the name brings un uh, answers to these questions that are asked about the individual you know, concerning or regarding their name. So you have to be mindful of, about your name, uh, what you let folk call you, oh, what you name your children, how you refer to your relationships with people, your marriage and all these, oh, there is power in names, uh, destinies and purposes are housed inside of names, uh, identities and distinctions are housed inside of name you got to understand you can't just allow anybody to say anything to you or name you label you for that matter label your relationships no because there is purpose house there is distinction house inside of a name names matter it gives a reputation which therefore will produce a certain fame about what you have been named or allowed yourself to be named and it says, the Lord is saying, I know you by name. And I'm so grateful that God knows us by name. He knows us by name. And he says, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. This ought to be the cry of the worshipers. Show me your glory, God. Again, what is Moses actually speaking to God? God, you have allowed me into the secret place. God, you have allowed me to become closer or intimate with you, God. Now I want to come even closer, God. Even closer is where I want to be, God. 
So he's not saying, show me your glory, but you have spoken to me. And now you have spoken to me face to face as if a man speaking to his friend. But now, God, I'm asking you to reveal to me uh, uh, your course of action and your intentions, God. And now he's saying, God, show me your glory. Show me the weight of who you are, God. Show me your heavy reputation that you are God. Take me a little bit deeper to who you are. Give me a little bit more understanding and revelation of who you are, God. In regards to me and this, your people, show me your glory. And as the scripture begins to go on, the Lord begins to talk about how he, he, he's going to show Moses' glory, but he talks to him. He says, no man shall see my face and live. He said, but, but stand there in the rock, in this place, and I'm going to pass by and I'm going to cover you with my hand, and I'm going to allow you to see my glory. And this is a familiar passage of Scripture where we understand how God passes by Moses, right? And he sees the hind parts or the backside of God. He sees the backside of God. And, and I've come to learn, I've heard it spoken like this, and Pastor Ivan touched on it, the backside of God denoting the past. Because if Moses is the writer of the first books of the Bible, how could Moses write about his death? Well, when he saw the backside of God, he saw the past, everything that happened before he came into the earth realm. But God is saying, you, you cannot see my face and live because to see his face is to see what's before, denoting future. You can't see me in future tense. So remember how we spoke to dwelling in the shadow of God on last week. And we talked about how and, and, and significantly this shadow denoted the timing of God, the kettle's time of God. So here you can see examples of the, 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 the kettle's timing of God as you are in the presence of God, underneath the shadow of God, which denotes the presence of God. The keros is, is, is very much present. So he says, show me your glory. And, and we're going to jump over to uh, Exodus 34. And we're going to start at verse number six. And it says, and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed. Because God told him, I'm going to pass by you. And I'm going to tell you who I am. And the Lord proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Right? Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And that, he says what? And that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. Right? So God is declaring who he is to Moses. And then get this. In verse 8 he says, and Moses made haste. Moses got quick about it. After God told him who he was, after, after God has now passed before him and declaring who he was, because God did exactly what he said he was going to do. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to pass by you. I'm going to let you see who I am. That that you can see and still survive. And I'm going to declare to you who I am. God did exactly what he said. And in, and, and in verse 8, it talks about what? And it says that Moses made haste. He quickly bowed down. Uh, 
bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped, mind you. Now, when he was in the tabernacle of the congregation, he went to worship, but he came back out and went to, back inside the camp of the people. Whereas Joshua stayed in the, in the, to, the, in the to the tabernacle worshiping, and we never see in scripture how the people came up out of worship. So we, it's safe to say that Joshua was still in the tabernacle worshiping, and the people are still worshiping, denoting what? They have now kept an atmosphere of worship where God has been perpetually speaking to Moses, to the point that God did exactly what he said. I'm about to reveal myself to you, show you myself like you've never seen before. That Moses was so overwhelmed by the glory of God that he made haste and he quickly bowed down and he worshiped. But that's not even the interesting part, y'all. That's, that's not even the interesting part, right? It, it says what? And he said, my God, Mind you, I want you to keep in mind, he, he's bowed down with his face to the ground and he's worshiping. But while he's worshiping, he now says, if now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us, for it is a stiff that people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for thine inheritance. The point that I want you to understand is most of us are accustomed to 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 letting God hear your requires and your request and your pleas and your cries only at the gates, the place of prayer and a session. But I want you to see what Moses did. Moses took a request into worship. Oh my God, see worshipers understand it's not good enough for me to relieve my request out here at the gates. Let me drag this request from the gates and, and I'm gonna drag it through the courts of praise. And I, I'm gonna lay it at your feet right here in the most holy place, this place of worship, God. See, worshipers know how to take a request and lay it at the feet of God. I'm not leaving it at the gate, but I'm gonna take it to the most holy place. I'm gonna take my request. I'm gonna take my plea. I'm going to take my cry, God, and I'm going to lay it at your feet in your most holy place, that secret place of God. The secret place of God. And when you understand the scriptures, God begins to respond to Moses and God begins to speak and God is saying how he's going to take them back unto himself, right? And we're going to pick it up around about verse number 28. Well, the, the scripture declared, he said, and he was there with the Lord. I wanted to see some because, again, we talked about the time, the kettle's time when you dwell in the shadow of God. Right now, look at this. The shadow of the almighty as opposed to the shadow of death. The shadow of the almighty as opposed to the shadow of death. Um, uh, Minister Marcus put something very, very interesting into uh, the brotherhood chat where he was he was talking about his his understanding, what he felt like he was getting out of this particular sermon series, understanding that all darkness wasn't attributed to something evil, understanding the difference between darkness as it relates or pertains to evil and then darkness as, you know, saying when it relates to or pertains to God, because we understand God, when he created all of creation, he created all of creation with darkness inside Look at it like this. Whenever God starts something, God starts it in darkness. Hence the creation or time, the beginning of time, what we know to be time. He started it in darkness. Whenever God placed a seed in the earth realm, guess what? That seed is in a place underneath the soil. It is in darkness and they have to fight this way to, to get to the light. So you can look at it. Whenever God starts a thing, he starts a thing in darkness. Stop despising the darkness, especially when the darkness is of God. So again, coming back to the point we see, and he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights, speaking to Kettle, speaking to time. 
but you now see Keros time as well as Kronos time. Those who were not in the presence of God, they could account for how long Moses was gone in the presence of God. For them in the natural, it denoted Kronos time, natural time. He was gone 40 days and 40 nights. But if you were to ask Moses how, how long, Moses probably couldn't even tell you how long he was gone. Because if you ever got into the presence of God, what you think time is, it is not. For example, I remember when I would lay prostrate four hours before God. That four hours only registered me about 30 minutes. I knew it was four hours only when I came out and looked at the clock. The chronos time to be able to denote or let me know that, that four hours had passed. So I'm trying to let you understand the keros and the chronos are very different. Very different times. Moments of time. And it says, he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He didn't neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And he said, what? And it came to pass, right? And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wished not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. Right? So I want you to understand, it's not enough for you to just, I'm coming back to this one. It's not enough for you to just leave your request at the gate just in the place of intercession. No, you gotta take it deeper. You got to come on up a little higher, drag that request through the courts of praise and drag it into the secret place of God, the most holy place, that place of worship. And linger in the presence of God after you've laid your request at his feet, linger in his presence. Now, I want you to understand me. While I'm in his presence, I'm going to acknowledge him first. I'm going to honor him first. I'm going to bless him first. I'm going to worship him first. And when the opportunity is given to me by God, then I shall present my request before God. My concern. I shall lay it at his feet there. Uh, I shall lay it at his feet in the place of worship. It says, when he came down from the mountain that Moses wished not, Moses didn't even know that his skin, the skin of his face shone while he talked. Meaning his face became so bright because of, the, because of the presence of God. And simply put, because this has been a series that has been dedicated to worship, what am I saying? When you worship God in spirit and in truth, when you get into the presence of God, when you find yourself in the secret place spending time with God, you ought to come out looking differently. People should look at you and view you differently. It's not enough for you to be in worship and you just come out with your puffy eyes because you've been crying, been there, done that, with my eyes are bloodshot red and they're puffy because I've been weeping and crying at his awesomeness and how great he is and all of this stuff. It should not just be that my hair is messed up, your hair is messed up, it's pushed from one side of your head to the other side of your head. It should not be because you've been laying prostrate. God is dealing with you in such a manner that your clothes are wrinkled. That's all good. But after you got up and changed your clothes and iron you some new clothes and put on some new clothes and you fix your hair and your eyes are no longer bloodshot red and you stop crying but people still ought to see there is a difference about you. You should look different because you are fit in the presence of God. Simply put, because Moses was in the presence or in the glory of God, the glory rested upon him. 
I can recall a time when, when, and it's not just spiritual people who recognize this. I can recall a time and I'm trying to get myself back to this place where it was all about God before I had all these other responsibilities. It was simply just my responsibility of spending time with God, trying to work on my salvation, trying to know God in a more intimate manner, to know God better, seeking his space. Uh, whatever issue I had, I was taking it and laying it at his feet in worship. And it caused me to know God better. And it caused me to understand that God knows me. Out of all these people, God knows me. Because I did that, there was a glory that rested upon me. Where there was like, you would hear people talk about like, there was a glow, like you look, like there was a glow on you. I would hear my leader tell me, thinking that this, I can tell you've been in the presence of God. I can tell you've been in the face of God. It wasn't just the spiritual people. I can recall even going to work, how strangers would come up to me and be like, there's something different about you. Never met me before. They couldn't explain what it was, but I knew exactly what they were talking about. What they were understanding, what they were uh, experiencing was the presence or the glory of God resting upon my life. My skin color didn't matter. My height didn't matter. My looks didn't matter. All they could understand or recognize was there was a presence. There was something different about me. I look different. That's what I'm saying when you spend time in worship consistently in worship discipline yourself to worship you ought to look different to people my god it says that when aaron right when aaron and all the children of israel saw moses behold the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come nigh to him they had never experienced nobody's face glowing like this brightly glowing like this that it brought fear to them moses was unaware that his face shining so bright this isn't Moses called unto them and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him and Moses talked with them he talked with them right this isn't afterward all the children of Israel came nigh after they see Moses talking with Aaron and the rest of the leaders they understand there's nothing to be afraid of different but it's nothing to be afraid of so all of them came close. All the children of Israel came close. And it says that he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. And I want you to see this right here, right? Uh, he, he put this veil on his face. Matter of fact, before I talk about this, I'm, I'm going to just go on through the last scripture. 34 says, but when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out and he came out and spake unto the children of israel that which he was commanded and last verse 35 says and the children of israel saw the face of moses that the skin of moses face shone and moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him we remember the name means something his name means drawn out moses name means drawn out what did moses draw out moses drew out of worship the presence of God he drew the glory of God out that he began to carry he began to carry the presence of God literally you can see it as it shone brightly upon his face because we're supposed to be carriers of his presence so Moses through worship was able to draw out the presence to draw out the glory of God 
And as we talk about this veil, he had to put a veil upon his face because this is how brightly his face was shining amongst the people. This gives us the image. When we talked about, when you go back to the message where we talked about when God created, uh, uh, in the beginning when God created, darkness was the veil of God. Darkness was God's veil. He's the God that dwelleth in the thick cloud of darkness. This thick cloud is the veil of God. And so when we see the face of Moses now being veiled before the people, this gives us an image of what God, he, 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 this veil represents the image of God. Because again, in 1 Timothy chapter number 6, find about verse number 6, and it talks about God dwells in this unapproachable light. And because he dwells in such an unapproachable light, everything else becomes a shadow of who this light is. Because Moses was able to experience the glory of God. The glory rested upon him. And he has brought about an image of God. So that the people can understand he's a God that dwelleth in the thick cloud of darkness. Speaking to the cloudy pillar that dwelt at the tabernacle door. Moses now being a literal physical image of what God or representation of what God was to the people. When you enter into worship, go behind the veil into the secret place. Desire to get closer to God. Desire to be intimate with God. Desire to know God in a more intimate way. The cry of the worshiper should be, God, show me your glory. That should be the cry. To the point that you are spending so much time with God that you come out looking differently. That when people, even unbelievers, they see a difference in you. It's not about just having the puffy red eyes. You ought to look different. You should look like what you looked like last month. You should look like you desire God. And I don't like you desire God. Oh God, I bless your wonderful name. So my hope and my prayer, my desire is that as we've talked about blackout, denoting the presence of God as we worship and get into the presence of God, I pray, Father, that your presence will black out all distractions, God. Father, I pray that you will rule us, God, closer to come closer to you, God, that you will whisper to us, God, that you will speak to us, God, face to face like you spoke to Moses how a friend would speak to another friend God speaking intimate things God I pray God that you will show us your glory God you will reveal your course of action God reveal your intentions to us even now God I pray God that what you show us God that we're able to handle and perceive what it is that you're speaking and revealing God but God we just want to know you in a greater manner God and a more intimate manner God Not by, my face, by your spirit, God. So I pray, God, let there be a pouring and outpouring of your spirit upon us, God. An outpouring, God, of the Ruach HaKodesh, God, an outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon us, God. That we will move and flow with the Spirit of God. That we will meet you, God, in the secret place, God. That we will be found, God, in the careless time of God. 
that appointed time, that appointed place, that appointed season, that fixed time and fixed season, God. That appointed place, God. Let, let, let signals, appointed signals and signs be revealed, God, in the Keros moment, God. And we thank you for what you're going to do, God, as we come back to the place of worship, God, as we come back, God, and pour out a heart of worship before you, God. I pray God stir a heart of worship in the people, God. For if it's not enough just to pray and then to see, it's not enough to pray and then give you praise, God. But we won't stop, God, until we enter into the secret place, God. That we would abide, we would dwell in the secret place and the shadow of the Almighty, God. I pray, God, show us your glory, God. We are only God. That it be so, God, that you will show us your glory, God. That I pray, let us worship you in spirit and the truth. For you are a true and living God, and beside you, there is no other God. Father, we thank you, we honor you, and we pray this in your son Jesus' name, God. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Amen